Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Rowan wins it after the siren with a dead eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Ball to Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He sets the chance to get through. Bontempelli! Simply the bot! Gives it to Gord. It has been one of the more remarkable days in modern football history. Alastair Clarkson's choice to coach North Melbourne and the tyre fire that is Essendon as a result. It's, it's hard to imagine, but this is one of the most anticipated final rounds that we've seen. It will soon begin at the Gabba, and yet it has been utterly overshadowed. Friday night football is the Brisbane Lions and Melbourne. They are dueling for a place in the top four and in many a mind that is their premiership credentials right on the line over the next few hours. Jared Waitley with you on AFL Nation. Our Coats Hire commentary team is in place tonight. Anthony Hudson is with me. Hello, Hutto. Hello, Jared. Oh boy, we've experienced some some days in footy over the years, haven't we? But uh, this is certainly right up there with them. I can't, given that uh, our former boss, David Barham, is uh, is involved, I can't help but be drawn back to one of the greatest things he did for AFL footy, which was the 100 Years of Football, the documentary he put together. And part of that, the whole theme of that was not just the glory of footy, it was the pain of footy. And these, uh, the Norm Smith sacking was, was a big part, a big feature of that and other elements of it. And and then here he is involved in something which, on, on the day, which has seen the, the glory of Alistair Clarkson and his announcement at North Melbourne, but the pain of, of Ben Rutten and, and where Essendon are. So I can't help being drawn to that. But like you said, what a distraction from an incredible game of footy tonight and a, a huge game on Sunday as well and all the ramifications and uh, delights that, that the final round always gives us. Most of us, I imagine, have a North Melbourne supporter or two in our lives, oh, and yeah. they were just totally transformed by the day. The, talk about the power of football, Jared Healy. The power of football was absolutely at play. It was. It was a great day. I was. I was really thrilled for the Kangaroos. I was, in some ways, thrilled for footy. I think it felt right. It's been an exhausting week in many ways um, because it's you know when blokes are being badly treated, you feel for them, but there's the excitement. Where's Clarko going? The emotions on many levels were uh, were tingling, but uh, in the end, I I felt really pleased for Tony, my neighbour, who's got a great 
heritage. His old man was uh, captain of the uh, the Kangaroos, and uh, I felt for my neighbour today. He lives three doors down. Uh, and Tony, I know you're happy. I know you're probably in the pub, but uh, just enjoy it because it's going to be a long ride. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the Messiah Complex, and I I know absolutely Clarko's not a fan of that. So uh, there's going to be some there's going to be some trials and tribulations, but gee, what a start! We've all got a Tony, I think, too, haven't we? Yeah. My my plumber Brett, he is uh, he's one of the great North yeah. Melbourne men, and uh, another North uh, person I know has only been communicating me with, with emojis. So that's there was there was a lot coming through, yeah. flashing at I've nine got a Tony this and a Ted, yeah. the accountant Ted. I haven't heard from him. He's uh, he's definitely in the pub. <laughs> My little sister Barry's from North. She had a, a second child about three weeks ago. It was a close run thing, I think, at one stage today, is what was giving oh. her the most joy. Oh, I thought you were going to say little Alistair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nathan Jones rounds out our quartet. Hello, Jonesy. Hello, Jared. Yeah, it was. Uh, I loved it, to be honest. Uh, obviously, sitting on this side of the fence, I've been in and amongst it before when there's been a. Oh, I guess all of the innuendo and uh, and then I guess the fallout of a, a coach and the appointment and those kind of things. But to sit back and just with intrigue just to see what was going to happen. Uh, you know, Essendon throwing their hat in the ring and you know, a few weeks ago, up. You know, my view was that North was the right fit. It felt right. And then all of a sudden I probably shifted my my view a little bit. But then as uh, as Jared touched on before, I felt like the right decision was made, and I was so wrapped for North Melbourne supporters, and uh, and it was just awesome to listen to Clarko because it, you know, me just being a neutral fan, I was like, oh, hello, this is going to be exciting, um, and and who knows really? I don't think there's a ceiling on it, and you just you look at what other coaches have done, particularly this season, uh, you know, Craig McRae, Michael Voss would be too. Um, perfect examples, you know, you just never know. And, uh, you know, he'll get stuck in there and, you know, he'll have to appoint some uh, pretty important people around him. Uh, and it was really interesting listening to his his press conference today talking about his experience with the Golden State Warriors and his experience at Hawthorne and those kind of things. It was uh, it was hard not to be excited, even as a neutral supporter for, yep. for North Melbourne themselves. So we're going to spend our first half hour on the events of today and all of its ramifications, and then we'll uh, we'll zero right in on the Gabba. Dane Zorko is going to join us again, so the sequence of interviews with the Lions captain, so that's absolutely perfect. We'll touch base with the Demons as well and set you up for what's to come, not just tonight, but right through round 23. But let's relive the events of a quite momentous day. Alistair Clarkson is heading to North Melbourne. Yes. Or can I say, well done, Sonia Hood. Uh, This is a massive day for the North Melbourne Football Club. Welcome home, Alistair. Delighted to introduce the next coach of the North Melbourne Football Club and Alistair Clarkson in what is an absolute watershed day for our club. The moments in your life where you really needed some support, this club gave it to me. And perhaps the, the shoe is on the other foot right now where this club needs some support and some help. Uh, and that was pivotal in us making a decision uh, to come back and uh, help the club and help get, get itself back on track again. Massive day for the North Melbourne Footy Club. Massive day in the world of footy. A five-year deal for Alistair Clarkson to coach North Melbourne. It's really interesting time for Essen and off the text Matt in Warrnambool, they've only got themselves to blame the Bombers. They should have got rid of Rutten before going after Clarkson and that is the only reason they missed on getting their man. That whole process just came far too late to give it really, really serious consideration and the due diligence required to actually consider coaching a 
club takes a hell of a lot more than four days. Yes, this has been ugly and a fallout for Ben has been terrible and I apologise for that. But my job is to make sure this footy club is the best footy club it can be and we have the absolute best people it can be. So to ignore going to see Alistair Clarkson, to me, would have been derelict in my duty. I'm the coach of the footy club and I made a commitment to him and I'm not going to let him down now. I told him I was talking to Clarko. He was disappointed, but I did tell him everything was going on. Had I had my timing, I would have rung him Monday. Yeah, I don't think he was entirely pleased with the way things have transpired throughout the course of the week. We've got a, an icon of a symbol in a sense that a kangaroo is on the coat of arms. It's pretty unique and special. We're the only club in the competition that's got it. We've got the kangaroo on the Tommy Sharon footy as well, which is pretty special as well. So everywhere you look, there's a kangaroo. And that kangaroo is now defined by Alastair Clarkson. Two campaigns. One was calculated and strategic. The, others were, the other was shambolic and desperate and not much behind it beyond that. Jared Healy, just seismic events for, for two clubs. Indeed, and I thought Kingy made a, uh, a strong statement in support of Sonia Hood, who uh, is, is new to the game, um, and she's had a, one of the finest moments of any of the uh, recent presidents of that footy club. But she may have stumbled a bit early in the piece uh, with some words, but uh, as Lee Matthews said, what's words? Actions count. And the way they've planned this, um, and it, you know, it was unfortunate the early demise of the uh, the incumbent coach. Um, he left early, but it gave them time to sit back and process this acquisition or the courting of Clarko. And it was a professional job, and I'm sure that uh, impressed Clarko. And uh, unfortunately, you can't say the same for the Bombers. Do you think that that approach? will be used by more clubs now that we're going to deal if they in the in this situation a club which is down a bit feels like they need an experienced coach there's one available rather than say we're going to run a process and get everyone through it just do that what they did oh it's a bit horses for courses i mean there's there's only been clark one clark oh, there's there's ross line out there with a huge reputation as well um and his name hasn't really even been mentioned publicly in recent times so uh, that's that's of some interest to me but i i think we've learned a couple of lessons the Leon Cameron sacking was too early, uh, and certainly Essendon was too late, and it feels like North Melbourne got their timing just about right. Yep, and as um, soon as you lose faith in your, your guy, you, you have to make your move. For North Melbourne, like it's transformative. It transforms their place within football. It transforms their place in the conversation, and over time, does it transform their prospects? I imagine it does. Is That that will be the longest story to be told. But. It, it will, and it'll be fascinating. I think we got a glimpse into Clarko straight away when he talked about the kangaroo and the, it's on the Tommy Sharon, and that's just a small thing that's just an example of the way he thinks, isn't he? He thinks differently. Um, and it was interesting. Well, he's already rebranding, isn't he? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And he'll have to do more of that than he probably had to at Hawthorne where he got in, you know, Lance Franklin and Jordan Lewis and yep. Jared Ruffhead in – in one hit, um, and then the results came. But he has, he has bought. He's got. He's gone to a club where he's got time. The expectations aren't going to be there immediately, and his record um, will see to that. But it will be fascinating. And he, he actually mentioned that he needs strong people around him too, because that's yep. been the other other criticism of him, and he's obviously aware of that. So um, yeah, and from well, a we broad- await the announcement on Todd Viney if in fact that's going to happen. Yeah, from a broader point of view, I mean. That's a great uh, back to the to the nineties when North and Essendon were powerhouses, and Essendon had Kevin Sheedy, and yes, there was a there was a bigger um, a base that they could then draw on. But North Melbourne had Dennis Pagan and, and a different style. He was anti; he wasn't worried about the marketing or the media, and they weren't able to capitalise on their success. Essendon had the Baby Bombers and Crazy Sheeds, who did turn that club in, mm. into a giant.
Yeah, they were the touring bombers, weren't they? Sheets took them mm. to Darwin and took them to the uh, Central Coast and took them to the Gold Coast and uh, Alice Springs. And everywhere he went, he set up little miniature de- uh, bomber support groups. And uh, collectively, they just built the huge base, as you said. Nathan, why, why did you feel Clarkson was the right fit for North Melbourne? Well, I think I've touched on it a couple of times this year about my own experience. And I think for where the club's at, you know, having someone of you know, his respect amongst the industry buys them some time to, to set up the the proper foundation for their team to be successful. So I don't I think you can sit back and say, you know, we'd all love the the story of them climbing the ladder quickly. He's acknowledged and I think, you know, from what we've seen in the last what month or two of footy, they've got some serious talent on their list, but it's gonna also take some time to, you know, build some depth and and, and add to some of the positions um, that are going to need to be fulfilled. And also, you know, um, as Hutto touched on, bringing in the right people, that may not necessarily happen straight away. But I think there's just so many positives for him. And, you know, we all felt it. You know, you could feel the energy as soon as he was announced. And I think that all that does is attracts good people, you know, both on and off field, you know, as far as players and talent. And, you know, he's got to get all of the right sort of ducks in a row. And, I think the next decision from the the board itself is, you know, who who sits in the CEO footy manager roles. They're they're just as important, and maybe more so important to allowing Alistair then, you know, flourish in a coaching role. And I think that's the intriguing and fascinating part to it. But I think they've got they've got the main man that um, that is going to help bring the right people in. When I got the roster about four weeks ago, I looked down and I saw uh, North Melbourne versus the Gold Coast 210 at Marvel Stadium. Didn't have a hell of a lot of uh, intrigue <laughs> about it, but by golly, has that jumped up to a blockbuster? Will they drive him around in the open ute before the game, do you think? They <laughs> well, should. Yeah, I think uh, the, the, the uh, announcement of, of Mazda, I think, is uh, re-signing <laughs> is, is a small but important step for them as well. Yeah. So why not... Uh, Put him in a Mazda and drive him around. Tell all your North Melbourne fans to get there and and make it the the proper welcome. And we're going to see Jason Horn Francis now. He's been disgruntled. He's been injured. He's been seemingly disenfranchised, but he gets back after twenty six or seven possessions in the two. So he's got some form, and I mean that that it's got to help keep him and got to help him sort of think that there's a future for the club. So maybe we'll see a transformation in him tomorrow. I hope so. Um, and Taron Thomas is another one. He's not playing, but uh, all of a sudden, some that may well have been thinking of going. Zerhar's another one. You'd reckon you'd just hang around for the ride for a little bit. Yeah, as the fears a couple of months ago of a player exodus, yeah. whether it was two or four or five players, yeah. uh, you, you couldn't oh, leave now. It has to be the opposite. Yeah. Like if it, if I put myself in their shoes, you're going, oh, nah, I'm sticking around for sure. Like wh- why wouldn't you? Mm. Um, and And like I said... <laughs> I think now that just attracts more guys to be like if they're they're thinking about moving. Well, North's a pretty good prospect, to be honest. Like, why not go mm. go there? Um, yeah, the I, momentum builds, doesn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. In all it, categories of the club, hundred percent. It's hard to imagine Essendon could have played a worse hand over a period of time. Yep. So it's it's where you want to pick the point. Is it at two and ten that they made their error? Is it on Monday that they made their error? Either way, the house is on fire. Yeah, and the the fire brigade's not there just at the present time. But I think the first mistake was the internal review and the 
you know, there was clear division about that and it, it, it wasn't sold well. It didn't feel as if it needed to be done at that stage. You know, they were, came out and told us how wonderful they were. The list is this and the list is that. And yet we're going to have an internal review. Well, you know, you're going to be in reviewing internally all the time. And, and you know, uh, President Brash uh, didn't sell it that well, if you ask me. It looked like he was reading a script rather than believing it. And then you feel, then you find that, you know, down the track, going well, okay, tick the box, run a uh, run the review, even though it was probably not as intensive as some would like it, I've read. And then two bad losses later or yeah, two bad losses later, bang, all the, the division and the friction and the and the cracks start widening. So it's a question of where you reckon the, mm. the issue is. My gut feeling is it was that decision around the internal review. And I it feels like the res, the win over Sydney may have been a significant yeah. one to save Ben Rutten then, yeah. and that followed with a win over Brisbane, which had an asterisk because Brisbane had COVID. But at that stage, there was evidence behind them to back up what the findings were, that everything's okay. And yet they lost to the – and they'd been – if you looked at their start to the year and the draw, they'd played basically six finalists, as it's turned out, and, and, and as well as Adelaide. They'd lost a lot of confidence, lost a lot of momentum, had some injuries. But they had got their act back together. Yep. Um, so you could mount that argument. Unfortunately, the, the loss to the Giants hurt them. And as it turned out, what would have been interesting is if – obviously the presidential move was already made before the, before the game on Sunday. But if they'd, just, if they'd beaten Port Adelaide – then mm. there would have been a change of president, but would the, would the Clarko yeah. thing have happened? That's that's a good question. Um, I just feel like on Monday, you're absolutely entitled to lose faith in your coach as a board. You are. Mm. At, at, at which point you've just got to go and sack him. Mm. Yep. And, and make the run that you feel like you need to make and make the moves that you need to make. A board rightly is absolutely entitled to lose faith in their coach, at which point you go and sit down and say, this is where it enough, ends. Enough, yeah. And I think uh, we all make mistakes and we all learn on the run. And I think Essendon privately and probably uh, publicly at some stage will acknowledge that that was what they should have done. I don't know what happens on Monday or Sunday, but it's hard to see how Ben continues on next year. Yeah, it's it's impossible. They haven't treated him with any dignity at all. And... Once you're undermined to that point of view, I'm just not sure that a coach could ever rebound from that. It'll be interesting to see the result, how Essendon play. Up against the old foe in, in the in the Tigers. Um, and it does appear as if the players have uh, sort of rallied around him to a degree. But, I mean, it needs to be shown some support out in the track. And it would be good if it was a competitive game. I think that's the most intriguing from where I sit, that's the most intriguing mm. part of the whole situation. You you look at some of the comments from the players and just you the murmurings you've heard. It doesn't prove anything, though, does it, Sally? Like, no, no, it I, doesn't. I, I, I'm I'm in that part. I don't believe that Ben Rutten had lost the players. Obviously, there's a few that you that he would have. You know, that's the case everywhere. But I don't think he'd lost the players, from what I understand. But if they come out, if they come out and beat Richmond, it's it's a lot of ultimate. Damnation, almost, isn't it? For sure, I think it just speaks to the bigger issue. Like there is genuine disheart. They're they're broken. The club's broken. They butchered the situation from where I sit, and it's got nothing to do with Rutten as a person or his capabilities as a coach. I think the the it's clear from a, a board level, which obviously is the you know the ultimate decision makers of the club. Then they're, they're not on the same page, and the, how they've handled it, you know both publicly and privately and what you hear and what you don't see and just how it's gone around in a circle and, 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 you know, some decisions are being made. It's just, 
It's ugly. Can I ask you, Jonesy, how close to a genuine finals competitor they are? Let's forget about flags because everybody talks about flags. Let's just say how close are they to where Brisbane are right now? have been in the hunt for about four years. Not a, felt, not a flag favourite. Would be a real surprise if they won, but they're in it. They're in the mix. I, I honestly don't think they're too far away, to be honest. And I've seen it quickly change. Like we went, Melbourne went from a prelim in 18 to finishing second bottom yep. to then missing the finals. And some would have said, oh, well, Goody's not the right coach. Like yep. you know, that they've missed the window. And we came out the following year after a review and, you know, some restructuring and refocusing and an absolute alignment from the top down and we win the premiership. Um, so what what's stopping – and there's there's similar stories along the way with other coaches. Hardwick's a prime example. Mm. Um, you know, down in – I think Geelong had a sort of similar journey Bomber with, with Bomber Thompson. Yep. So, you know, I, I guess from where I sit, that's why I, I think it points to a bigger issue, not necessarily on their list and coaching group, but, you know, from the top down, like it, it just seems so disjointed. There's no real, you know, I guess, uh, you know, connection amongst mm. – and direction in terms of this is the path we're on and we're committing to this journey and we're all in kind of thing. How close a comparison do you think they are to Carlton last year? Because so, that, that's the that's the example yeah. for both on and off the field, isn't it? Yeah. First and the and, they were a shambles at this time last year, Carlton, yeah. weren't mm. they? And so they weren't playing the right way. The yep. change of coaches is the right decision. It was wretchedly done yep. in the last two weeks. So the, Essendon is living that experience. There's been a period of talent acquisition that they've got. They're clearly not playing the right way, and it's a bit of a mystery with so such good figures in their yep. coaching staff. Why? Mm. Um, so are they like are they for all of that? It's a viper's nest at Essendon. Clearly, yeah, that's the it, biggest. Is thing it a that, good job? Well, that's, that's the biggest thing that needs to be addressed. You know the the view that you know that's it's uh, divided. And can you can one person coming in as coach can he can he bring that group together? Jonesy, your thoughts? I think he can bring the players together, but he can't necessarily bring the club together. I mm. think that's the, you know, it's all of those key stakeholders, board, president, CEO, footy manager, coach, being 100% on the same page. It's not to say behind closed doors, they don't challenge yep. the direction, but publicly and, you know, collectively to the entire club internally, it's, it, we're, we're going this way. This is the journey we're on. We're committing to this. And that, and there's an element of you know some vulnerability of admitting faults like you know off the back of our uh, Melbourne's experience nineteen was it nineteen twenty yeah nineteen twenty that there was acknowledgement when we got back to preseason yeah we 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 haven't done the right we haven't pulled the right levers over yep. the last year or two and we've got to get better in this this and this area and this is our we're going to hold up this end of the bargain and this is what we expect from you as a playing group so what. It's hard to imagine there won't be a board challenge in the short term. Mm. I, the, the chief executive's master plan has failed. It's, it was his yep. succession plan. He drove it. He uh, sold it. And he's watched it be dismantled. So whether they still believe in him or not is almost redundant. Is They, they gave you the license for the plan and yep. now they've pulled the rug from under you. It's hard to imagine the football boss so like the, the casualties in this are going to be numerous and i suspect they'll be relatively quick yes i haven't heard any rumblings about a board challenge i don't know who the person is going to be that that drives that but uh 
Um, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but uh, it's... Timing uh, becomes everything in that then, doesn't it? Like, it does. Well, it? when you're looking for a new coach, it it does. And and if you look at, keep going with the Carlton parallel, I mean, they've still got a... Are they, are they in contention? Can they breach that gap, as you're saying, to get to the top four? Not necessarily win the flag, but Carlton picked up Hewitt, who was All-Australian at the halfway mark. Chera's a young gun who's come through a bit injured at the present time. De Koning's been a really improving player. I know he's, uh, he's, he's hit the wall at this stage, um, but I think he's a really improving player. And they picked up Charlie Curnow out of the blue. So, I mean, they need to find three or four gems. One of them's got to be a key defender um, and a couple of other gems. And, and they can transform quickly. But as Jonesy's point has been made and yours, Jared, it's got to start from the top. And this is the challenge for the new chairman or the new president, Dave Barham. He has got to grab hold of a shaky start and, and start laying the foundation. And the spectre of James Hurd, which is it's very difficult to understand, I suspect, unless you're an Essendon person. Yeah. Real? Imagined? Oh, I think it's real. Yeah. I think I, I think Curdy will be back at Essendon in some shape. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good Essendon people out there that could be coaches. I mean, Solomon is regarded as a an outstanding coach. Now, whether he's a senior coach, I don't know, but uh, in and around footy, he gets a big rap. I think Spike McVeigh... He has done a good job in a very difficult situation. And, and that collective looked to me to be a pretty comfortable collective. Whether Hurdy's prepared to even approach the coaching position, I don't know. But uh, there's something about uh, Hurdy that uh, I think it would be good to get him back at the Bombers. I'm not sure in what role, though. His son's at the footy club too, isn't it? So that probably complicates things a little bit too. But, yeah, whether he wants to be a, a senior coach again, I'm not sure. Um, from what I understand, maybe not. But then again... If he was actually asked, that might be a different thing. Yep, yep. They're a, they are a fascinating watch for the remainder of this weekend and their decisions are to come initially on Sunday. Uh, Sonia Hood is going to be our headline guest on Crunch Time tomorrow, so we'll uh, we'll set you up for that when we get there. The Gabba tonight will zero in Brisbane and Melbourne, such high stakes. The AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles, $25,000 advertising giveaway, iCanWin.com.au. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. What a Friday night we have in store at the Gabba, the Brisbane Lions and Melbourne. You are on AFL Nation. We're in the Coats Hire commentary studio. Coats, we're more than hire. We're equipped for anything. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nathan Jones. And we're joined by the Lions captain, Dane Zorko. Dane, welcome again to AFL Nation. Evening, lads. How are we? We're well. Big nights. Big night this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, Gabba starting to fill up. So, um yeah, very exciting, and obviously we understand the ramifications and the stakes that are on the line, and uh, I think the boys are just ready to go now. How, how heavily do do the consequences sit over a night like tonight? Oh, I think for us, win, lose, or draw, we want to keep continuing on the path of our football that we've been playing over the last month. Um, we've had some really good results. We've had some not-so-good not so results, but I think for us, it's continuously building our game. Um, we've been able to do that for, 
for a number of quarters without playing a whole full game. And I think tonight we'd love to see a full four-quarter performance. And I'm confident in our ability and our, and our group that we can get that done. Dane, what did you take out of the two wins you've had against Melbourne in the uh, the last nine games that you can take into this one? Because seven and two is not a great result in in recent times. What do you need to do tonight better than you have done in recent times uh, in the majority of your losses? It's got to be contest, Jared. Yep. Uh, it's as simple as that. It's the hallmark of our game. Uh, Oliver, Viney, um, they were instrumental in the victory against us earlier on in the year and um, if we can nullify their impact um, and stop the likes of Petrarca, um, Salem and those guys getting the ball on the outside, um, you know, it'll certainly help us uh, get the result that we're after. But I think fundamentally it just has to be our contest work. We were beaten minus 38 in contested possession last time we played them. So we need to fix that number up. We need to give our forwards a chance and give them some supply. And if we can do that, we know we can score. I suspect that number 38 would have been up on the whiteboard at some stage. This is what happened in round 15. Minus 38 in contested possession. What do we need to fix? Exactly what you said. Yeah, that's exactly right. Faze is pretty, um, yeah, pretty thorough in our um, recap of the week uh, yesterday. And that number was highlighted that, you know, no one's going to win a game of footy with those, with those sort of numbers. So um, we understand that's what we need to fix up. If, as I said, if we can match it with them, they're the, they're the best in the competition at it. If we can match it with them, um, you know, it'll certainly give us a lot of confidence and give our forwards the supply, as I've, as I've mentioned. And you'd have to be the fix, wouldn't you, Dane? You didn't play last time. Can we see you in the cold face tonight? Uh, at some point, Jonesy, I think you will, yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah, it might throw young Zach Bailey in there for a little bit. He, he looks like he's, um, he's ready to go. I'm just watching him run around at the moment. He's itching to go, so... Yeah, look, it'll be a whole team effort. There's no doubt that we have seven or eight of us as midfielders that go through there and, um, you know, try and take the load off one another. And um, tonight will be no different. That's our game plan. That's our structure. Um, that's what we practiced the whole of pre-season for, um, is to share the load in there. And um, that's what we'll do tonight. I'm interested with the Charlie Cameron-Michael Hibbard matchup. He'd certainly have a, a look in his eye tonight, wouldn't he? I think Hibbo's got the wood over him the last few games. Yeah, definitely. That's obviously, obviously uh, an exciting matchup for... Um, Charlie and I'm sure Michael gets um, right up for it. He's one of the premier defenders in the competition, has been for a number of years. And, um, you know, probably, Charlie would probably agree with you that he's had his number the last few times. But um, one thing Charlie's really added into his game, especially the last month, is his 450 tackles. Um, if he hasn't been scoring, he's been laying a hell of a lot of pressure and making it very difficult for the defenders to get it out. And that's what we'll be expecting from him tonight. What's the weather like up there? Sensational. A little <laughs> bit of jury to hit the deck. Perfect. One day better than next. To the next. But. Oh, mate, it's, uh, yeah, it was 27 today. Uh, I think it's still about 24 now. So it's going to be hot and sweaty. Drew, uh, as I said, has kicked in. Um, so it might look a little bit more like a wet weather footy game than a dry one tonight. Can I ask you how much vision you do on Melbourne? Because I reckon on the couch and uh, sundry other shows for about five years showed the uh, beast of the honeypot syndrome. And yet I look now and Melbourne is so set up st- structurally perfectly for one in, maybe two in, but three or four always on the periphery to take the ball away if it's one. And I, some, I, I sometimes yeah. feel other clubs are, are getting sucked into the, the old Melbourne and, and getting killed by Melbourne's better structure at the contest. Yeah, I, I, you're spot on there. They, you know, that sort of was their style now. And now they're relying on the Viney and um, even Max Gore and Luke Jackson. Their first possession's really high um, and they give it out to their... Um, their runners, like I mentioned before, Langdon gets a lot more of the ball. Mm. Um, Salem's very dangerous off that half-back flank. So 
we need to be cautious tonight to not over the, go over the top in that department. We need to back that our tacklers are either going to get the job done or we're going to get our hands on the ball first. And if we can do that and nullify those guys on the outside, um, you know, it'll certainly help us with the result we're chasing. But, um, yeah, there's no doubt about it. They've got some fantastic hunters in their team. And, um, you know, Viney and Oliver, they're, they're two of the best in the comp. We're on the Casper finals. Does this year feel different to you now you've, you've had that experience of a number of finals campaigns? It does. Um, I guess those nerves of sort of um, playing your first final series and then, you know, coming back the next year and, and doing so well again and then um, obviously the disappointment of last year. I don't know. We've done a lot of work in the off-season um, in preparation mentally for, you know, getting back to this position and um, I feel like that'll hold us in really good stead and I think we can use that stuff tonight as well um, when we're faced in certain challenges. So um, it does feel a lot more mature about the way we're going about it at the moment. As I said, we're still building our game. Um, we're doing it really well in patches, but clearly in finals you need to play for four quarters and tonight's going to have that feel about it. And what, uh, what no better way to, to try and kick off that campaign than tonight against the Dees. Dane, always appreciate your time. Good luck for we what's do. to come. Good stuff. Cheers, guys. Dane Zorko, the Lions captain. So it's third versus fourth. They're both 15 and six. There's 3.6% between mm. them. The winner makes the top four, and the likelihood is as the loser doesn't. Kingy argues the big, biggest home and away game of all time, isn't it? I mean, and you, you sort and of initially might, oh, come on, and then you think about it, you go, oh. It, it mightn't be the biggest home and away game of the week. Weekend. <laughs> but but there's the ramifications. Yeah. For most of the – well, certainly for the first half of the season, these were the two yeah. in most people's Both have been on the top, yeah. Um, and here we are, one staring down, missing the top four. Yes, yeah, so just going back to Kingy's thesis, I, I think the the fact that Carlton can miss out makes it a bigger game. I mean, if you, I mean the – the loser is still playing finals yeah. in this particular one. And Melbourne can still win the flag from outside the top four. So I'm not sure Brisbane can, I was but, uh, say, who, but Melbourne which, can. Which loser could recover better, do you think, Mel- do you think Melbourne? Definitely. I agree, totally. So if Brisbane does miss the top four, are, are, are you in the camp of they're not winning it the four weeks from an elimination final? Yep. I, just, I think, you know, with they're being consistent and right up there, but I think if not to secure a top four with the game at home, the stakes of tonight, I'd, I think that dents their confidence and belief. And I think from that spot, more than likely they'll be travelling. I just, I, I don't think that. Mm. I think yeah, Melbourne, an, away, an away preliminary final. Though. Yeah, I think Melbourne. Uh, you know, I th- they're well more equipped, and I, I don't necessarily. I just think they would take it on as a new challenge, and they've got this aura about them of belief, particularly coming into this week and then the prep for, for the first week of finals, I, I'd, I'd back them. One of the really interesting elements tonight is Harms comes in. So the obvious connection is Harms goes on to Vine, on to uh, Neil. But so often against Melbourne, they haven't played a tagger on Neil and they've blown them off the park. So I'll be interested to see exactly which way they go. You got an insight, Jonesy? Oh, I think... If from my most recent knowledge, they've generally, you know, it's almost like a team role. So someone will assume him at stoppage. Yeah. That, that could be Harms. It could be Viney in particular. Probably the two I would assume would be a matchup. But then they'd they'd certainly be of the mindset that they can, 
you know, possibly hurt him and get involved in off- offensive change from stoppage, and and they'd well and truly be trying to force him to to defend yeah. rather than just follow him around like glue, you know. So uh, I'd off the back of watching them. Like they they played them early in the year. It was around fifteen, I think it was. And it was their season best performance. I th- that was the almost the the reemergence of Melbourne after a, after a period of yeah. of down. And if that if you if they were to emulate that and sort of structure up quite similarly, that's what they did that night and absolutely you know toasted them around the contest. Yeah, all the non-trusters that were talking about non-trusting Melbourne last year around seventeen or whenever that game was, they all started trusting about uh, after the Lions uh, demolition. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good head-to-head matchup it for is. Melbourne, as you referenced. The one kicker is it hasn't been at the Gabba, and the Lions are eighteen of twenty at mm. the Gabba, mm. losing only the qualify uh, the uh, semi-final against the Bulldogs and then the COVID game against Essendon. So that doesn't count. So they have an imperious record that they have built at home. So that, I guess that's the one balancing factor because mm. the matchup favours Melbourne. It does. I think Melbourne's midfield is uh, just significantly stronger. doesn't mean they're going to play significantly stronger tonight, and that's the beauty of the footy. Yeah. On paper, I look at and say Melbourne tick. Uh, but... The game's not played on paper, as uh, a smart bloke once said. Is, is, the, most... is the Gabba advantage just a home thing, do you think, for Brisbane, or is there anything more to it in terms of the ground? Uh, I think it's. I don't think there's anything to it as far as the ground. I think it's just more the, that home travel factor. It's a great crowd at Brisbane. Like it yeah. really, you get there on a on a on a big afternoon or night, and it is electric. So there's there's some. Which I, mean, I think I... they they grow. Yeah, their energy and psyche grows off the back of that. Mm. And there's no doubt. Like I, the difference of playing at Marvel versus playing at the MCG, MCG like that, that was always mm. you always want to play in front of a, a favourable home crowd. No, on, you at, and Richmond are the same. Though, don't, you don't like crossing <laughs> over. That's it's amazing how similar the Gabba is to the size of the SCG. Most people's view of the SCG is still the 1980s SCG. Yes. I think it's a metre difference. It's an important meter, that Jerry. It must be very <laughs> strong meter. I'll get the exact dimensions for you, Hutter. I know you're big on those, I but uh, I'll have a look for you. Inside the Melbourne camp, we will go next. This is AFL Nation. When we take your feedback across the weekend, it will be on the Southern Phone open line. Stay in touch with Southern Phone mobile plans. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. We are in the build-up to Friday night footy of round 23. It's at the Gabba. It's the Brisbane Lions and Melbourne. Our Coates Hire commentary team, Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nathan Jones. Coates, we're more than hire. We're equipped for anything. We're now inside the Melbourne camp with assistant coach Troy Chaplin. Troy, welcome aboard. Thanks very much, Jared, and hello to the other boys in the box. The recent form, round 15, you don't often get form that repeats so quickly in the curiosity of the fixture. Is that worth plenty in your planning? Uh, it is a little bit. We went back and had a look at what we did really well, and, and that night it was clearly the contest. I think we won it by about plus 30 in the end, and our pressure around the footy was really good. So certainly you try and hope to replicate it again, and we know this time around, though, they've been pretty... Pretty hot on. Heard Fags throughout the week talk about the contest. So we expect it to be pretty fierce and fiery at times tonight. But it's perfect conditions up here, and we're looking forward to a real good battle. A lot of focus has been on the forward line. What's your assessment of the, where the forward line's at? Um, yeah, look, it has been a little bit, Jared. It's, it's probably it's hard to put a finger on because we've been averaging nearly 90 points since the buy. So yep. I'm not sure that it's 
purely just the forwards. What I think we've lacked a little bit is just our defensive intent. Uh, that's what we've really built our game on the past two years as a contest and defence. And unfortunately, our pressure around the ball at times hasn't quite been at the level that we would have liked. So certainly tonight, it's going to be a focus because if you give Brisbane time and space, they like to try and get the ball in their forward half really quickly. So that's, that's certainly at the top of the tree tonight, how much pressure we can bring in and try and put them in, under a bit of pressure and create some good turnovers. Which is interesting because a lot of the focus is on the talls in the forward line, who's not there and who is there, etc. But Pickett, but Neil Bullen and Spargo throw Melch in brilliant last week uh, kicking goals. But uh, it doesn't seem to me as if Spargo and Pickett and Neil Bullen collectively across the uh, season have had as much influence as they did in that pressure department last year. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's probably an area where we've dropped away, especially in our forward 50. And there's there's those guys, but there's also the onus on our tools to not be outmarked. There's probably times in games where we've given up intercept marks to, to quality teams. And it's they all rely on each other. If our tools are bringing the ball to ground, it yep. gives our, our small forwards an opportunity. So it's, as I said before, it's an area that we need to pick up. And tonight's going to be a real test for us because we need to make sure that we get that defensive stuff right, especially tonight and going forward in this, hopefully, what's going to be another month of footy. Chap, is uh, is your boy Hibbo, is he the man again for Charlie Cameron tonight? Yeah, Chunky will be. He did a really good job on him last time, so he's going to have his hands full. Charlie plays some really good footy up here, and we know what type of player he is, so... Uh, Charlie, generally, when he gets a match-up, he tries to get him up the ground. So if he's going to take him up the ground away from goals, we see that as a result. Yeah, nice. And, uh, and Harmsy's another one. He comes back into the side. There's been a lot of talk about the success with uh, tagging uh, Lockie Neal. Does, does he get that job or anyone else get that job for tonight? Oh, you might know a little bit about footy, I reckon, Nathan. You, <laughs> you're spot on. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to give too much away, but there'll be certainly someone going to Lockie and and that role really well before. So um, there could be a couple of different players that take that role, but there'll be certainly some time put into Lockie. He's just too good of a player to let him run around and do what he wants. We saw a young kid last week in Windhager do a good job. So um, if we can try and take, take him out of the game, then it certainly helps. I've got one more for you. You know, you and I both know how good he is with themes for games. Can you shed any light on what <laughs> the theme was for this weekend's game with obviously a fair bit riding on it? Oh, yeah, the theme this week, and I, and I know you'll know what we're talking about. It was the Wolf of Wall Street, mate. So <laughs> um, it's a bit of a defensive theme. And, uh, look, we, we've spent oh, tonight's theme a little bit was around what we've done the last two years. We've been in the top four for 48 weeks. So we spoke about not leaving. So it's going to be around how well we defend tonight, and we've put a little target on what that scoreline would be. So uh, now it's up to the boys to execute. But, yeah, you're right. Good, he's got a theme every week, mate. He does a good job of it. Max starting in the middle, or is he uh, maintaining his uh, ambition to be centre-half forward in the All-Australian side? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, he, uh, he's loving playing down there, and yeah. he'll tell you about it as well. It'd be nice if he could kick the thing between the big sticks, yeah, but uh, what he does provide us is he provides us that marking option that you were talking about before. So what we've been able to do is see Jacko grow in that centre-bounce role, and when you've got two rucks that play different as well, like on the cricket pitch tonight, probably a bit more suited to Jacko because of his follow-up. So we'll give Jacko first crack and, and Maxi will play a bit more forward. But, look, you can't keep the uh, an uh, all-Australian ruckman down there for too long. He, mm. He's still got so much to offer around the ball. So he'll flick between forward and, and centre bounce and um, they're going to have their hands full. Oscar's a, a very good ruckman and has challenged these boys in the past as well.
Troy, a bit going on in the coaching world at the moment. Where are you at in your coaching journey? Yeah, look, it's something that I want to do, Hutto, down the track. I'm pretty passionate and trying to develop myself to one day be a senior coach. But at the moment, I'm loving being a part of a great club and um, learning on the on the job as well. We've got I'm fortunate that I've got guys around me like Choco, Richo, who've done it before. Goody's a great leader, and now I'm, I'm seeing Ooze go through a process. And the great thing with Ooze is he's been really transparent with um, the process that he's been through and just talking about um, some of the questions and what he presented on. And it just helps with my knowledge as well for if I ever got the opportunity. And I'm slowly banking a presentation that hopefully in the future I get an opportunity. But right now I'm loving just doing what I'm doing, and that's the defensive aspect of the game and it just keeps developing every year and, and hopefully in the future an opportunity arises for me. And Troy, looks like there's a late change in your section of the ground. We're just hearing, so Christian, Christian Salem's out? Yeah, so Salo's out and Jake Bowie will come in. So Salo's just been a bit sore this week. Uh, he trained on uh, uh, Tuesday when we trained. Was still a bit sore yesterday at Captain's Run. And, yeah, he just hasn't pulled up too well today. So Bowser will come in for his game. He's been in really good form at VFL. But Taylor's a loss, but Bowser provides some um, some foot skills behind the ball. He's clean at ground level. So, like, Taylor's a quality player, but at least we get someone who's very similar, which is good for us. Troy, great to have you with us. Uh, good luck for what's to come. No worries, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good call. Troy Chaplin, the backline coach in the Demons coaching staff there at the Wolf of Wall Street. So the iconic scene is I'm not leaving... So they've lived in the top four for 48 weeks. I would say we could probably extrapolate to the I'm not leaving. Yeah, and I don't I know what the target was last year. I'm not sure what it was this year, but um, they'd certainly be aiming to keep the side under, I think it was 68 points last year. And uh, if that was the case, everyone would stand up. And you, there's a scene in the movie where Matthew McConaughey's uh, beating his chest. All of the players would get up if we were able to achieve that result from a defensive point of view. So I'm sure that was, uh, well, that's what he was alluding to. Nice, nice. All right, that gives you a, bit a great of chest little beating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literal chest beating, <laughs> as opposed to the metaphorical. Tomorrow's car is available today a selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel efficient diesel all wheel drive models, are in stock now, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. So Salem out, Bowie in, and Jordan is the medical sub on the uh, on the Melbourne side of things. And we'll bring you the, the Brisbane uh, team sheet as soon as it arrives. It, it would only be just a, a moment or two away, but that uh, is the latest news from the, the Melbourne camp. We'll spread a little bit broader in our uh, in our next 25 minutes or so and then come back to the preview. So St Kilda has gone review. The Giants are in the final stages of their coach selection process. There are more retirements coming this weekend. We'll get the thoughts of Jared Healy and Nathan Jones in the build-up to round 23, the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. Friday night footy from the Gabba, the Brisbane Lions and Melbourne. The sub for the Lions is Mitch Robinson, the late out. 
is uh, Christian Salem for Melbourne. Jake Bowie is in and James Jordan is the sub. So uh, we'll come through the preview. Hello, we'll set you up for the rest of the weekend with the changes that have been announced tonight. But a few other issues from the week with Jared Healy and Nathan Jones. Is, uh, the first one, Jared, that you want to touch on is the, the Zane Cordy tribunal case, a case that had no business. Yeah, I agree there. with that, uh, Jared. No business at all. Look, at the end of the day, I thought it was embarrassing that they put it up. But... I'm more intrigued as to why they put it up. Where where are some people at the AFL in charge of the game? And I don't know who it was, whether it was from the top or whether it was from the football department. It's hard to know. But what what sort of outcome do they want? If he had have been found guilty, where did that leave us? Are, are you going to have to check your bump? Do you have to throw that in the third gear and only have a partial bump? Well, that was the end of the bump then, wasn't it? If that was found guilty? Well, it was because how can you judge? I mean, it's like... I bump you going 30 miles an hour and you've never had concussion, no problem. I bump Jones, he's had three concussions, he gets a little head rattle. So if as long as it's not in the head, it is part of the game and unfortunately that's the game. And I, I think that the AFL are trapped in this sort of um, miasma of, uh, of, of, of concussion sort of, you know, not sure what the right word is. I, I don't want to go over the top, but... Uh, the game is a contact sport, and we can't lose that. And when Lee Matthews says he's going to lose sleep two nights in four weeks, I get worried about it. They broke their pledge. They said with the focus on concussion that they wouldn't just use concussion yeah. as a reason to prosecute a case, and then they did. Yeah. So it, it, two years after they said they wouldn't, mm. they got there. They couldn't even work out what charge to use. To and it was embarrassing for the, for the prosecutor because, I mean, Zane Cordy played him on a break. He, he was trying to invent some sort of, some sort of case on the way through, and it's, I just I keep, keep getting back, Jonesy, to who put it up. Clearly, a powerful person in footy. What does that direction does that person think the game's going in? Well, just, I've just watched it a few times yeah. while you were talking. Then I I actually can't believe that that he's been reported for yeah. that, and and the, uh, it should have been from where I sit. You throw it out, and I've had this argument before. I I sat on the other side of the fence a few weeks ago with the Crips incident. Mm. I just, I think it's, we are, we're playing a contact sport and there is going to be injuries. Yes, there has to be an element of, uh, you know, safety and you don't want it to be, be reckless like we've seen with incidences yep. in the past. And there is a duty of care for sure, but there's going to be, you're going to hit bodies and there is going to be collateral from it. And I think it's grading the intent of that rather than the outcome of it. Because mm. in that instance, that's just a, a genuine contact as part of the game. It's not, different too, though, isn't it, too? If you hip and shoulder someone and then there's a head clash. Yeah. I well, think that that's, is if you elect a bump, you're a lot... You're, that's reasonable. Yeah. 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 And that's what wasn't there. When I first saw it, so when I first heard about it, I went to the vision. I expected Dane Cordy to be recklessly charging through, picking him off and going 100 miles an hour when 30 miles an hour would have done the job. But he didn't do that. He was actually stationary. Mm when the impact happened. So that's why I was baffled about it. And I look forward to chatting to someone to find out uh, exactly where do you think this is going? Yeah. There's a big concussion uh, paper being released in, uh, uh, I think over in Europe somewhere in October, maybe November. And that's going to give us a lot more enlightenment as to where this is uh, heading. To, to push back against the, the build up that has been worldwide uh, yep. over the past 
maybe 18 months or so? I, I think it's really just all the experts are saying, this is what we believe, and here's the papers to show. Um, what direction that takes, I'm not sure, but uh, certainly there are some on the very far right and there are some in the, in the far left and there's a lot of people in the middle. And I think the biggest issue is we still don't know what we don't know. Was St Kilda right to call review, missing the finals for the second year running, a systems check? I think so, for sure. Um, you know, from where I sit, there would be a huge amount of frustration uh, with their inability to go on and they start the year, what, eight and three and come home in three and eight. Um, I think questions certainly should be asked. I don't think it's a necessarily, a, you know, big things come from it, but I think they should trawl through every department, ensure they've got all the right people in the right positions, and if not, you know, make some decisions and some changes and, and re-strengthen that. The interesting one for mine is the, you know, the, I guess the, their style of play and their, I guess the demographic and situation of their list, where does that leave them? I think that's a decision that they have to come to, whether this current group is capable of uh, rejuvenating and being able to challenge, or do they have to make some some strong calls and uh, and I guess revitalise that list through you know youth and and the like and and uh, you know I guess reset and uh, and have another crack at it. I thought Brett Ratton's commentary around Brad Hill was really interesting on the weekend. There's a paper Evanley saying he could be off to his uh, fourth club. He was asked that question. And Rats basically fobbed it off at that time of the year. But the one thing he didn't say is he's a required player. So there is, I think, this notion that there may be a little bit of uh, shuffling at the top. Yeah, well, I think they clearly think something has to change, yeah. doesn't it? Or they, they will, and the president talked about, they'll live in this space that no one wants to be, this in-between yeah. space. I'm a bit interested in what David Barham had to say about what constitutes an external review. And he talked about, well, you know, why did Geelong succeed? Why did Richmond succeed? And... Um, all these other other clubs comparing yourself with other clubs. I wonder what sort of detail any of those clubs went into with their with their reviews, and what someone like a David Noble actually brings to St Kilda. And is is it data? Or is it oh, we yeah, they did this and they did, they did that? Or what actually is it? What what actually does an external review entail? I think. It's mostly in the framing, isn't it? So I thought the most interesting line in the St Kilda thing was they wanted an external assessment of their list. Yep. So that they've been all in accumulating, 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 and now they want someone to actually run a is we we remain optimistic. What happens if they get told you're stuck? If you continue down this path of adding one tried player, two tried players, you're never going to get out but of it. Isn't that subjective in its own? You don't have Daniel Horning yet, though. One other person—that yeah. doesn't mean a lot to me. One other person's view of your list. I mean, it's interesting, but you'd want more than one other person's view, wouldn't you? Well, I think you'd go to Daniel Horn at Champion Data, and he would give you a, a statistical analysis of their list, and and you know, and break it down every player into eighteen categories, and show. And I think Carlton might have done that last year, and. Um, I think Carlton found out that, uh, according to the numbers, they're not that bad. And these guys are actually performing to a lot better than they should be to their age as an average. So they also found out they got a couple of holes and they went out and filled those holes. I mean, it's, it's, when you say an external review, that's where I'd be going. If, if, uh, and having seen reviews on a few clubs with the champion data analysis, it's, it's quite interesting and quite enlightening. The question is to you, Hutto, are they sort of 
locked into this position with uh, having gone so hard on so many sort of 26 to 28 year olds. Well, it feels like that. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I'm not trying to be Harry Hindsight either. At the time, I felt it was a big call to to give up that youth, you know, those early picks to do what Mm. they did. And I understood why they did it. But the problem is if it doesn't succeed, you are just stuck in that you've got long-term contracts and you're stuck in the middle. Yeah, well, I think Hanbury one Malcolm. was a real bust, unfortunately, because Hanbury's, you know, he was a terrific player, but um, you know, was a buy beware with his injuries coming yeah. in. Brad Hill just hasn't been able to dominate to justify. He's been a good player, but he yeah. hasn't justified that. I was at that their, their first billing. practice match they had, and then the the Nab, Nab Cup, and oh, it was great. He was he was picking holes in the yeah, inside fifty, and you get was going, yeah, yeah oh. it was good. And then that was that was the height of what he's been able to produce, unfortunately. I so, think from where I see, it's more. It's, it's, it's how they play. I think they're capable, but I sit up there and I watch them and I, I, it doesn't to me look like they're all on the same page. It, you, know, I know, you know what they're trying to do. They talk a lot about pressure and then you just, I just watch them, watch them structurally, you know, their forwards coming up and, and the way their mids defend and how they play at stoppage. And I just think if, if, I think they, if they just went away and simplified their game plan and simplified their method, I think they've still got a, an element of talent that, yeah. that can push. And then I think they have to revitalize off the back of that, rejuvenate off the back of that, you know, probably going down the path of getting more youth in. Like They do have a few young players, but that, that depth falls away quite quickly. Mm. A couple of uh, missed shots last week. Maybe it wouldn't have changed the conversation, but it certainly would have taken the heat out of the conversation had Max King kicked a couple of goals and they win. Yeah. But I think it is a smart decision and, a, and I think a mature decision to, okay, we're not quite there. Let's have a look um, and let's get some outside voices in and, and let's accept what they say and maybe act on what they say. Yeah, and I thought it was telling that they, they identified 6th to 10th. So not that we're missing the final. We're, yeah. mm. we're stuck in the 6th to 10th, yeah. which is mid-table ordinary. Yeah. As, and it's hard to win the flag from there. It'll be interesting to see whether David Rath is... There, won't it? Or whether it's over to the Kangas. Who else, Clarko, gets on board? <laughs> uh, the Giants are, are reaching the end of their process. Um, we mentioned during the week that they've taken all three through, all three through the psychological testing, all three through the final presentations, all three through the reference checks. It's as thorough a process as we've seen in many a year, mm. I feel. And I read today that Adam Kingsley has uh, made a charge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which probably means that uh, Adam Uzo is a certainty. And there's, <laughs> an- there's another report that says... Spike McVeigh's suddenly got momentum. So this is all the guessing from the outside. It does feel as if, uh, right from the word go, though, Uze seems to have been the preferred candidate. Uh, Josie, you know him well. Is he ready to take senior job? Oh, I think so, yeah. I, I, I think he's uh, he's always been sort of the in the conversation. And if you're looking at that, uh, I guess, that experience level of a coach, untried, you know, I, I'd... Having been underneath him and mm. and know him quite well, that I, I'm a massive advocate for him. I think his uh, the acquisition to him at Melbourne was a huge uh, feather in the cap as far as us just progressing, taking that next step off the back of his knowledge and understanding, particularly around you know running patterns for our midfielders. The criticism used to be at Melbourne, bees to a honeypot. Yep. Now you speak before to Troy Chaplin about their ability to have balance inside yep. and outside the contest. He was a huge 
influence on you know altering that mindset and 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 teaching and coaching the group to understand that and same goes for you know a ball movement we used to talk a lot about melbourne's inefficiency inside 50 and you know they're good at the contest but they can't do much more Mm. he had a huge influence on opening up the ground and creating space and and making the right decisions and those kind of things so i'm a i'm a massive advocate as far as you know his footy knowledge can you tell me how you change the viney petrarca oliver jones and ed l others at the one ball how did you sort of balance that out? Oh, we spoke a lot about decision making, really, like and and just uh, I guess calculating the percentages in your own mind and just practice it in different scenarios over and over again. So, you know, if you if I'm looking at it and you're likely to win it, uh, uh, rather than me getting closer to you, I'm actually creating space for you. So you're going the other way. Yeah, and and that was it was a real teaching yep. side of it of you know I guess doing it. At training, doing it in practice, get matches, match sim, and reviewing it. Like, what could you have done better here? Could you have created more space? Could we have got more width on the handball? Because the criticism used to be that we'd all be in real close yeah. and all no fire away little handballs, and all yeah. that does is invite pressure. And uh, and the work was done around you know creating more balance, obviously both to be in a defensive position, but also be in a really offensive position to you know take the footy forward and and create advantage from those contest wins because. The ability that they have, you talk about their depth, and they're all very good one-on-one players, 50-50 ball players. They can win and break away and create from those scenarios. I think it's the difference between the top sides and the and the mm. also runs. Fremantle just starting to go forward again, but they do. I mean, the amount of Brayshaw two-meter passes and handballs, I think, is uh, taking away from his game. And Sarong, a little bit similar. The sides that go forward, and I think St Kilda is exactly that. That's what I think the Saints need to work on. Stop going backwards, start going forwards and get a bit of width and a bit of length into your handballs. And that's what I was alluding to before. Like when I sit up and watch the Saints, when they do it well, they're actually a very competitive side. Like they took Brisbane to the wire last week and they did some terrific things at stoppage and contest and creating pressure around the ball. It's just doing that for longer and having a really clear understanding of how to do that under pressure in different scenarios and, uh, and consistently. I think the strength of the McVeigh candidature is, is his relationships and his honesty that he's had with the players this year. They haven't, unfortunately, until recently delivered, though, have they? Enough, that was stiff last week. Yeah, enough probably to get his... And, of course, recent history hurts, doesn't it, with um, standing coaches being appointed and then ultimately yeah, not Very stiff success. last week. Yeah. We'll play some old bull, young bull in a few moments' time. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are now in stock, ready to drive away tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. This is the pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. The Brisbane Lions and Melbourne for a place in the top four is Friday night footy at the start of round 23. You are on AFL Nation, old bull Jared Healy, young bull Nathan Jones. Old bull, did we used to do the last round the right way when the games were on at the same time? I've been waiting for this moment, Jared. 
because I disagree with you. Oh, I'm so hoping you'd support. No, no, I'm a big fan of. Uh, I'm a big fan of the structured finish, and I know it flies in the face of world sport, but. Uh, a, there's a reason why it's structured, and that is because we all get a lick out of the TV rights from the players, etc., etc. Uh, but B, I just like being able to follow it, and I like the build-up of the pressure. And I, I remember there was one game when I was playing. Melbourne made the finals uh, when the Bulldogs. I wasn't playing for Melbourne. I was in Sydney, but they won at the Witten Oval, yeah, and it was, it was 86 for memory. Um, and every there was about five games on yeah. at that stage, so you know you were flicking from one channel. There might have been another game on. I'm not even sure. In fact, there might have no, been one on. game on. They were all on. No, no, not in those days because Sydney played uh, on Sundays. There might have been one game on. That yeah. wasn't many. Uh, no, yeah. there wasn't. But there were two Geelong games. There was playing, one out at Waverley. Yeah, North Melbourne were Carlton at Waverley. Geelong yeah. were playing Hawthorne at Kennedy yeah. Park, and we lost. And. That was and there was that that at the Witten Oval. That's was, right, and it was it was the old round was, the grounds. Yeah. So was, anyway, I like the structure, and I like the I don't I don't buy that you have to play all at once because somebody gets an advantage because they know who wins and who loses. Will, right. you, will you come around if the Bulldogs lose and there's ninety five thousand of us at the MCG going, oh, you just took the air out of the game? Um, is it? Well, that's true. I hadn't considered that, but no, I won't. No, okay. because there's there's other issues. There's Collingwood. Trying for top yeah. four, Carlton. How are they going to play, etc. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, not, nah. It's not quite the same. Carlton. How are they going to play? I don't think it quite matches. Imagine the the roar that will go around yeah. the G if the Bulldogs do lose and Carlton are into the but, finals. But that's a, that's a that is a scheduling issue. I mean, they could schedule it the other way and have the Bulldogs on after the Carlton game. They'd have to wait and have the most flexible of fixtures mm, to do that. They would. They? Uh, I think five minutes apart, those games five minutes apart would be awesome. So you can you can flick from finish to finish. Yeah, you just get the end and the end and the okay. end. Okay. And I I I don't think the TV I think the TV rights value of that is higher. Yeah, I think it'd be an extravaganza. Put it on three channels, have crossing around. It's like it'd be just awesome. Just for one day. <laughs> anyway, what about last round missteps? So the biggest misstep in recent years was when West Coast lost to Hawthorne. Mm. They'd, it was yep. their premiership defence. They'd lived the year in the top four, they inexplicably lost, dropped out, and never recovered. Like, yep. never yep. recovered. Yep. Yep. Haven't been seen since. Yep. Couldn't pull themselves together for their finals campaign. Won the elimination final out in the semi. Lost the elimination final and disappeared out of sight. Yeah, they really haven't recovered even from their misstep going to the hub. And it just played out that season. Out of loss in the final, they uh, the round 23, thank you, Hutto, that they should have won. And uh, I think was it Collingwood the same year that got them? Uh, it was the next year. Okay, I think so, Collingwood got them next. They've had a bad uh, couple of uh, missteps late in the season, haven't they? Yeah, you can get it wrong right at the end. Yeah, oh, there'll be my, one upset. My, we'll go, oh. There's always an upset. Yeah, mine's not necessarily a misstep, but I reckon uh, one year we missed the finals. This might have been before 2018 by the smallest yeah. margin. Yeah, that's yeah. when the live ladder came into its own. That was, I still remember yeah. sitting at home. Where, oh, where? I think it was that in was Adelaide. On, on I was the, doing the match. That was on the Saturday, wasn't it? Then on the Sunday. We, I think Melbourne lost on the Saturday, so then we were relying yeah. on yeah. a result. It was West on Coast the, and Adelaide in Perth, I think. That's right. And I think West Coast had to win by a certain... 23 points or under, something like Under a certain... Yeah. And it was close. And it was close. Yeah. And then... Uh, a live actually, ladder was clicking in, clicking out. Yeah. Oh, it's glorious TV. As, <laughs> as, a, as a commentator, it's one of the... And did it last year with the Brisbane Western yeah. Bulldogs game. It's... And I'm hoping I'm doing Sydney St Kilda on Sunday. So I'm hoping Melbourne, I'm just from a professional point of view, Melbourne win tonight by six goals. So mm. then Sydney have to beat St Kilda by about four goals. 
on Sunday. So for a top two for a home final. So that's, I mean, it's not quite the same as missing out, but it's a big prize. Yeah, you know the live ladder's working when you're actually looking at the percentage, yeah. not the points. That's yeah. when it's really on the song. <laughs> and has the modern day player decided that, that needling is in now? So I think Ed Langdon's was a mistake, but Port Adelaide's looked like it's been very much decided that the players are going verbally for the Crows. That was interesting, wasn't it? It's also well, premeditated yeah. in, 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 I guess, in some respect. I watched it and then it was it all kind of came out and then uh, Kenny Hinckley, I don't know what his view on that was. but it's... I think we know what Ken's view was. <laughs> I don't think he was very thrilled. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't mind it. I think it's it's entertaining from, from where we sit. Uh, obviously makes the, you know, interesting viewing for this weekend. Uh, you know, both sides not nec- not much to play for other than the sort of the mantle in Adelaide. But uh, a lot of lines in round twenty three. There's liners in the sand, and Matthew Nick said there's a line to be drawn, and he thought that Port Adelaide might have just gone over it. Good line from him. You'd, you'd want to play well once you've said it. Our luggage partner on AFL Nation is Samsonite. Unpack the world with Samsonite. Visit samsonite.com. .au. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Hutto will run you through the changes next as we sit in the commentary studio for Coats Hire. Coats, we're more than hire. We're equipped for anything. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.